What's happening? A good Friday to all of you. Thanks for joining me. It is much appreciated as always. Lots of Patriots content today for all of you. So many stories, behind the scenes discussions coming to light. We had the Herald story yesterday. We also have The Athletic this week. Chad Graff wrote the following on the Patriots situation souring. We talked about the Brady-Belichick relationship falling apart over time. Then he writes, Kraft's final ploy to keep together the best coach-quarterback duo in league history was to ensure Brady would have the chance to be a free agent at the end of 2019. He hoped that would incentivize Belichick to make changes, treat Brady differently, make him a bigger part of the operation, focus on the offense more. But Belichick refused to change. He told Kraft that Brady's play was declining. As painful as it was to say goodbye to Brady, which he did during an in-person chat at Kraft's home, the owner understood why Brady wanted to leave, and Kraft trusted his longtime coach that the separation would eventually help the Patriots. And there's many more anecdotes that paint Belichick in a not-so-great light in this story with the Athletics' Chad Graff. And now, I understand Belichick's reputation. Bill Belichick's reputation is to be cold and calculated. But I have to wonder, I was thinking about this all last night. I do have to wonder, has Robert Kraft been incredibly calculated here? Has he done more than we actually realize? Has Robert Kraft done more over the past several months to put pressure on Bill Belichick than we have acknowledged, that we've understood? You know, some have criticized Kraft for not doing anything. Oh, he's just sitting there. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. What's Kraft going to do here? Why isn't he saying anything? Why isn't he talking about Bill? Over the last few months, I think many Patriots fans have been frustrated by Kraft's silence. They read Kraft's silence as not involved. But really, is that true? Is that really true? See, I have an evolving opinion here on the Nick Cattle Show. My evolving opinion is that Robert Kraft has actually been putting pressure on Bill Belichick all year long, without any animosity. And this has been a very smart approach from the owner. And I think it's been calculated. I think it's been methodical. I think it's been deliberate. And I'll tell you why in a couple of minutes. But when you look at Kraft and how he's handled this, it reads to me as an owner who is trying to earn and deserve some praise from fans, not much criticism from Belichick or anybody else in the moment while he builds leverage. Now, why would Robert Kraft be putting pressure on Bill even before the season kicked off? Why would he be putting pressure on Bill all year long? Why would it be deliberate? Why, why would it be calculated? Here's what I think. I think there's two possibilities. I think Kraft, over the last year, has been putting pressure on Belichick for two reasons. He's loading up the ammo for PR on departure. Robert Kraft knows that Bill Belichick is likely gone. Robert Kraft knows that Belichick had a lot of pressure on him to win games this year. And Kraft, I think, has been, again, methodically building his case to move on from who many believe is the greatest coach of all time. And when you are ready to do something like that, you have to make sure that all the ducks are in a row, that you have all the ammunition that you need because you know for a fact that letting Belichick walk or trading him, however this ends, if he does go, 
many people are going to look at this and say, man, how did Robert Kraft let Brady and Belichick go? So you have to get ready. You have to load up the ammo. There's another possibility, though, here. Why would Kraft methodically put pressure on Belichick in his own way? And I'm going to tell you that it's a four-prong attack, and I'll give you each prong in those four prongs, okay? But why would Robert Kraft, another reason why Kraft would be putting pressure on Bill even before the season kicked off and, and all throughout this year, maybe even without us acknowledging it or understanding it, to wrestle power away from Belichick. If Robert Kraft wants to give Belichick the option of staying here in New England, and he wants to approach this idea of stripping personnel power from Belichick, then that's why you would build this kind of leverage throughout the year to go back to Bill when the year is over on Monday, reportedly. Mike Reese said that yesterday. Go to Belichick on Monday and say, all right, we're going to take personnel from you. If you want to stay here, Bill, you got to stay here only as a coach. Get to some of these comments here before I give you the four-pronged uh, public relations approach. The four prongs that I think Robert Kraft has deliberately set forth. I think Kraft has done this intelligently. I think he has been calculated about some of this. John Christian jumps in and says, top of the morning from Oregon. What's up, Oregon? Early on out there, the West Coast. Looking forward to another great podcast. Enjoy the content. Thank you, John. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Say that all the time. Thumbs up means more eyeballs. More thumbs, more eyeballs. Content is what we do here, trying to build this community. Every like, every comment, every subscription means the world to me, but not only me, to all of us here building this community at the Nick Cattle Show. So thank you to John. Justin jumps in and says, morning, looking forward to the podcast today. Thank you, Justin. I couldn't wait to do the podcast today because I think this is something that nobody has put together, honestly. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I think a lot of people in this market do a great job covering the Patriots. But I'm not sure there's anybody that's going to put this puzzle together for all of you today like I'm going to put this puzzle together. I say that humbly. McTogger says, I agree with that assessment on RKK. All right. So here's what I think has happened over the last year. And this is why I think that Robert Kraft has done a masterful job of applying pressure onto Bill Belichick without any kind of public animosity, without any kind of pettiness publicly. It's a four-pronged approach. Now, the first prong of this approach, it happened immediately. Remember what happened last year? The Patriot season was over. Of course, all of us remember. Kraft sent out a letter, and it was very different than anything he had ever done while Belichick was here. He sent a letter to season ticket holders pretty much telling them, hey, ownership knows this was bad. We know this stunk. We're going to keep Mayo, and we're going to start a search for an offensive coordinator. That letter was sent out by Kraft as soon as the season was over in 2022, okay? That was the first the first prong of this entire approach by Robert Kraft. You had the the off-season frustration, the letter to fans bringing in Bill O'Brien as we found out, not necessarily what Belichick wanted to do. Belichick wanted to keep Matt Patricia Kraft set the standard of the playoffs. We want to win a playoff game. That was the first step towards putting the ultimate pressure on Belichick 
to produce or else you're either going to lose your job or you're going to lose even more power within this organization. That was the first prong. The second prong, I think, is what got a lot of fans, or at least some fans, frustrated with Kraft because fans want Kraft to say something. Patriots are losing game after game. The quarterback situation's a mess. It's a disastrous season. Why is the owner not talking? That was part of the approach. You can say an awful lot by saying nothing. Robert Kraft's public silence and his deflection, I think, was part of building leverage on Belichick. Staying silent throughout the season when he's asked about Belichick. Doesn't say much, right? The owners' meetings a few months ago. Kraft always talks at those meetings. He always has conversations with the media at those meetings. This year, he said nothing. There's a reason for that. Because he knew that the media was going to ask him about Belichick. And he's not going to push this publicly during the season. So he was silent during the owners' meetings. Then you get to Germany. Rich Eisen interviews Kraft that weekend. Kraft deflects really anything about Belichick, anything about the situation. Kraft is in on college game day ESPN. Pat McAfee, we went through that on a prior podcast. And Kraft again deflects and was silent, just a shake of the hand. So prong two of this four-pronged approach from Robert Kraft, putting pressure on the head coach and GM, was the public silence and deflection method. Then after that, and even during that, we had the leaks. So publicly, the ownership has been quiet. Publicly, the ownership has not come out and bashed Belichick. They haven't said anything, right? Publicly. Every time they've been asked, they've either deflected with a laugh or a joke, or they've been completely silent. But then we had the media leaks. Remember Jeff Howe's story? This is a big part of it. Early in the season, the Patriots looked like they were going off the rails. It looked like this season was going to be lost, which, of course, it has been a lost season. Do you remember the Jeff Howe story in The Athletic? We discussed it at the time. And I remember saying this at the time. Jeff Howe's story came from sources that were close to Robert Kraft's situation. They were close to ownership's thought process as whether or not they'd be willing to move from Belichick. So publicly, Kraft, both Jonathan and Robert, silence or deflection. But behind the scenes, there was somebody talking to Jeff Howe early this season saying, he will pull the trigger. That was the warning shot, right? That was the warning shot. And that was the first significant leak from either ownership or somebody who spoke to ownership and on the behalf of ownerships, shared that information with Jeff Howe. And great reporting by my friend Jeff. So you had Jeff Howe's warning. Then you had the Tom Curran thing come out a few weeks ago. That this decision was made after the Germany game. That came up out of nowhere. Again, that was the next step as far as the public leaking. And now, this week, we have the Chad Graff story in The Athletic which is absolutely slanted towards management, ownership, ownership better than management, and against Bill Belichick. So that's the third prong in this attack. And I'm going to get to the fourth prong because I think the fourth prong is the most genius part of this entire approach by Robert Kraft applying pressure on Belichick. So remember, to recap, the first prong was the offseason frustration. 
the letter sent to the season ticket holders, right? The the forcing Bill O'Brien upon Belichick as OC, mentioning the playoffs and playoff wins. Prong two was the public silence and deflection. Every time Belichick came up, they weren't going to say anything. Prong three was behind closed doors, ownership or people close to the ownership. They were not silent. They were not deflecting. They have been subtly leaking things throughout the year to say, Belichick's an issue. Here is the fourth prong that I think is the genius part of this approach by Robert Kraft. Sympathy. Robert Kraft has built sympathy. I'll get to that in a minute. First, Mike Pyle. Do you think you would be okay with them starting all over and rebuilding for two to three years to just caught up with uh, other good teams? I don't know if it's a two to three year process. It all depends on who comes in as GM, who comes in as coach, who comes in at the quarterback position. I actually think with this defense being so good, you could rebuild this team into a competitor within the next 18 months to two years. I think you could be talking about a team that wins, you know, 10 games within the next year or two. I I honestly believe that, but you've got to build it the right way. You've got to build it. Bear me, Jesus, always go to you. Nick, tell me instead of firing Bill, we are going to trade him for draft compensation and all of this. Robert is not dumb. He won't let him go for nothing if he can help it. Uh, Bear me, Jesus, I actually wrote a column at Boston Sports Journal a week or two ago about trading Belichick. And I'm not sitting here telling you it's a guarantee it's going to happen. And I understand the obstacles that they could face doing this. But I don't think it's some crazy hogwash idea. It's happened seven times. It's happened seven times in the last roughly 26 years. Head coaches have been traded in the NFL more than we have elected presidents in the last quarter century. So it's not some mind-boggling, you know, masterful, crazy challenge here for it all to be put together. Okay, let's get to that sympathy prong. Robert Kraft building pressure against Bill Belichick, not coming out publicly with outrage, not warning him publicly, but methodically, methodically going after Belichick to set up his own case to let the greatest coach of all time, as many would tell you, leave through that door. Prong one was, you know, the the offseason frustration, the letter to fans. Prong two was the public silence deflection. Prong three was the media leaks to Jeff Howe, Tom Curran, Chad Graff, and here is the most genius part of it, the sympathy. What do I mean by that? If Robert Kraft is going to move on from Belichick and Robert Kraft wants the fan base to believe in him and and those fans that want Belichick to stay, what Kraft has to do is he has to try to sway those emotions from those fans. There are fans that want Belichick to stay. There are fans that are willing to give Belichick the role that he currently has. They say, let him coach, let him be GM. To sway those fans, Kraft had to build sympathy for himself and ownership. And that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult for anybody to sympathize with a professional sports league owner, right? They've lived a very privileged life. They have a ton of money. They have their personal jets. It's very difficult to create sympathy for somebody like a Robert Kraft. But have you noticed? My friend, Greg Bedard, podcast I do with him. Greg, going back a week or two ago, said that Kraft was conflicted. He was conflicted from a personal level. 
He was conflicted moving on from Belichick, building sympathy for Robert Kraft. Phil Perry, another friend of the podcast, Tom Curran, Mike Reese, three guys that I respect in the business, think they do a good job, if not great job. All three of those guys, they've talked about how Kraft is sentimental, how he has feelings, how, how, he, how he's an emotional guy, and that emotion actually has helped him before. Again, building sympathy for the owner. Do you remember how Pat McAfee phrased his awkward question on college game day? When he was talking to Kraft, he said, I do not envy your position. That is building sympathy for the owner. You're in a tough spot here. You're in a very tough spot. I don't envy you, Bob. Meanwhile, all of us envy Robert Kraft <laughs> and what he has built and who he is and the money he has and, and the businesses he runs. Again, building sympathy. The Chad Graff piece in The Athletic this week paints Kraft as a sympathetic figure. And that truly was the icing on the cake to put pressure on Bill Belichick, to try to sway fans, those who want Belichick to stay, try to sway them into saying to themselves, we've got to move on. You share off-season frustration with the fans, right? I share your frustration. Then when you're asked about it during the season, you're silent, you deflect. That silence speaks volumes because you're not giving Belichick the vote of confidence. You're not telling anybody that Belichick's going to return. You're just letting it lie. And the more you let the questions come out, the more those conversations happen, the more pressure builds on the head coach and GM. Behind closed doors, meanwhile, you're leaking some things to apply even more pressure on Belichick. And then the icing on the cake is that you have created sympathy for your position. People are sympathetic to Robert Kraft having to make this move. It is a genius approach by this ownership. It really is. Think about how this has crescendoed in the last week. Don't you feel it? Is that not calculated? As we're getting ready for the final game of the season, more and more stuff is pouring out. The Boston Herald report, the Chad Graff story, more and more is pouring out to the public through these stories, through sources. And I think it's a crescendo to a miserable season to put the ultimate pressure on Belichick to either get rid of Belichick or put him in a very difficult position when they sit down in that meeting on Monday and he says, hey, look, he has in craft. Things haven't gone well. You can't run personnel anymore. Belichick's reputation is he's that he's cold and he's calculated but has Kraft actually been the incredibly calculated one over the last year? Effectively putting pressure on Bill, effectively building a public case against Belichick without publicly saying anything. It's masterful. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. More likes means more eyeballs. Don't forget to comment as well and to subscribe. Uh, the Grizz and McTogger and John are in a conversation. I don't know if I want to get into it with them. It seems like they're in the middle of something here. Edward Butler jumps in and says, what do you think we should do with uh, Kendrick Bourne? Random question. I'll say I keep Bourne. Bring him back as a fourth receiver. Don't have a problem with that. I don't think he's going to make a lot of money. ACL, he's around 30 years old, but I think he can contribute. 
Peter Jacoby jumps in and says, interpersonal stuff is Kraft's wheelhouse. Yes. All right, speaking of Belichick, if he's truly out in New England, I've said I think he'll have a market. We talked about Adam Schefter. He said this weeks ago that seven to ten guys could be fired when the season is over. And I think when you have seven to ten job opportunities, Belichick is going to be sexy to at least one or two of those teams. Here's the latest on the interest in Belichick. Josina Anderson posts earlier this week, I'm told the expectation at this time for the Chargers is that they will uh, run their head coach and general manager searches simultaneously. Simultaneously. Some early names surfacing around the head coach vacancy at this preliminary stage include Dan Quinn, Eric Bieniemy, Jim Harbaugh, and possibly Bill Belichick. The Chargers have been connected to Belichick for several weeks. There's lots of smoke about the Chargers and Belichick. Then Joe Cena posts this yesterday. I'm told there are teams within the NFC South with potential interest in Belichick. While the future Hall of Famer has made an indelible mark, I'm also told there are still recent high-level sentiments within the organization regarding desires to mutually part ways and start anew. So there's lots to unpack there from Josina Anderson. Number one, she says there are multiple NFC South teams interested in Belichick. Makes sense. Tampa Bay, Jason Light, the GM down there, worked for Belichick, worked with Belichick, obviously brought Brady in. The Glazers love spending money. Bucks ownership is not worried about paying Bill Belichick a ton of schadol. You have Atlanta. Now, Arthur Smith might survive, but Art Blank, the owner, unlike Kraft, when he's been asked about Arthur Smith, he has come out and said, well, we're going to let this season play out. He hasn't stood by Arthur Smith publicly in any kind of way. So Atlanta makes some sense. You could look at Atlanta's roster and say they're a quarterback away, especially in that division from competing and being a legitimate playoff team. And then we have Carolina. David Tepper has the deep pockets. That organization is desperate to bring in somebody who could excite the fan base and bring belief. I don't see it with New Orleans, by the way. I don't see it happening with them. That's an aging roster. I don't think Belichick's a huge fan of Derek Carr. I don't see it. But the, the NFC South and this idea that multiple teams could be interested in Belichick, I'm buying that. I could buy Tampa. I could buy Atlanta. I, I could even buy Carolina, even though I don't think Carolina is going to be the answer because I don't think Belichick and Tepper will mesh well. Here's something else I, I found interesting from Josina Anderson. There's, there's one source. One source on the interest. Hmm. Who do you think the source is? You could argue either way. You could argue that the source comes from ownership, who's talking to Josina to try to build leverage with Bill's market, to try to make him even more valuable in case you're trying to trade him. You could argue this is coming from somebody that knows Belichick because Belichick is trying to build his own market and his own leverage. You could, you could, you could argue either one. Is Bill trying to build his market? Is the ownership trying to leverage for a deal? I don't know. And is it the same source? Talking about the market and starting anew. Is it the same source that we're talking about? I don't know. Either way, the message is this. Bill Belichick is available, and Bill Belichick has a market. Make of that what you will. 
Paul jumps in, says, hi, Nick. Quick rebuild if we trade Belichick for a second-round pick. Sign all our defensive free agents. Both tight ends. Hire O'Brien, head coach. McDaniels, OC. Pick Marvin Harrison third. Trade one second for Fields and draft offensive tackle. My man Paul has it all figured out. Lots to go through. Bill O'Brien is a head coach. We're going to talk about that next week or within the next 10 to 14 days if Belichick is gone. Marvin Harrison, I don't think you have to use the third pick on Marvin Harrison. And I love Marvin Harrison, but I, I think you could find receivers and not spend a top three, four pick on a receiver. As much as I love him, I'd be looking at quarterback or offensive tackle in the top three or four, preferably quarterback if you love one of those guys. That's just me. All right, there's lots of uh, non-game and kind of game thoughts heading into Sunday. Lots of feelings. We'll get to those in a minute. Don't forget to give us the thumbs up. More thumbs, more eyeballs. Let's beat that algorithm. It is us versus YouTube. So let's get that done. Give us that thumbs up. It's much appreciated. Comment. And don't forget to subscribe. I would love to get to 1,500 subscriptions by the end of January. That would be fantastic. One man band here. Always appreciate your support. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Pods, rate and review. All right, so Sunday, how are we feeling? I think there's a lot of different emotions heading into this game on Sunday, right? Lots of different emotions. Let me just say at the at the start of this, all of these tank conversations, here's how I look at the tank. Coaches and players are paid to win games. That is their goal. They should try to win every single game that they play. So that's the player coach side. Owners slash GMs, are really the ones that can impact tanking. You see it in Washington, right? In Washington, they are absolutely tanking this weekend. They are doing everything they can to lose that game. That's not a Ron Rivera decision. I'm telling you right now. That is a Josh Harris decision. Josh Harris going Jack Nicholson on us. He's ordering the code red. You got damn right I did. <laughs> That's what he's doing. The owners and GMs are the ones that can tank. GMs can set up a tank by building a terrible roster. Owners can tank if they want to impress upon the coach, hey, we want to lose. Remember, Ross did that in Miami. It came out. League wasn't happy. That's not going to happen here because Belichick's the GM, and I don't think Kraft's going to walk into the office, especially if he plans on firing Bill or trading Bill. I don't think Kraft's walking into the office and telling Bill Belichick, hey, your final game, of your Patriots career, I want you to lose it. Start this guy, start that guy, start this guy. Now, fans, fan the way you want to fan. If you want to see Belichick go out with a win, the crowd cheering for him, that's you. If you want the Patriots to lose to get the best possible pick, that's you. So when we talk about tanking, we have to deliver the context. Players and coaches don't tank. And they're not going to tank. GM's owners, they can tank. Depends on the case, each one. Fans, I think everything's split. Now, for me, if you're looking at the health of the franchise, long-term, it's best to lose. Because to me, I'm taking the asset management and getting the best pick that I can get versus winning a fifth game. Because honestly, what the hell is the difference between winning a fifth game or winning four games? Honestly, what 
I would have had the whole culture conversation like a month and a half ago. And when you're talking about culture, you don't want to quit in the middle of a season because, hey, you might win seven, eight games. And that might actually build momentum to next year. That might teach the younger guys something about what they can do here at the NFL level. But heading into the final week of the season, knowing that the best you can be is 5-12, and 12, honestly, who cares about a fifth win? What is the difference between 4-13, and 5-12? and 12? Pick-wise, could be a difference. Now, I've heard all sorts of stuff, right? Analytically, it seems like the Patriots cannot slide beyond the fifth pick. The ESPN FPI says that there's a 99.9% chance the Patriots end up with a, with a top five pick. So it's incredibly unlikely that they'll pick sixth or seventh. But I'd rather have the second pick or third pick because that gives me more power and it gives me more opportunity to draft the guy that I want without having to give up an asset to draft that guy. Amstel jumps in. We all know how he feels. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's what he wants. Justin jumps in. If they lose, get a better pick. If they win, hopefully they can get more draft capital for Bill. For Bill. So it sounds like Justin wants to keep Bill. Cool, genuine Phil. Need to lose one more game. Let's go, Pats. So if you ask me, for the health of the franchise long-term, losing on Sunday is best. Again, I'm not saying the coaches and players should tank. I don't think they do. I don't think they will. I don't think that happens. I don't think it's a thing. Speaking of that, I expect Belichick's best. I would be shocked if Bill Belichick and the Patriots walk in on Sunday with a laissez-faire attitude. First of all, it's the Jets. We all know Belichick hates the Jets with every fiber of his being. Bill Belichick is not going to be looking across the field to the Jets' sidelines saying, all right, I'm going to bid you all adieu with a loss. I have no problem with laying down here and losing to the Jets. That is not at all a thought in Bill Belichick's brain. He wants to pummel the Jets on Sunday. He wants to make an example of the Jets on Sunday. I mean, Jabril Peppers says he's going to play on Sunday. Peppers has been hurt the last couple of weeks. That guy's played his ass off. I love Jabril Peppers. Love him. But Peppers is playing on Sunday in a meaningless game. That should tell you what the Patriots' approach is going to be. If Peppers is out there playing, this is a, sorry, Tom Warner, full throttle approach by Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I mean, this could be Belichick's final hurrah at Gillette Stadium. Do you honestly think he wants to go out with a loss? He wants to go out proving a point. And the best way he can do that in a possible five-win season is beating the crap out of the organization and team that he absolutely hates with the heat of a thousand burning suns. So I would expect the Patriots' best punch on Sunday. We also have to talk about Matthew Slater. 16 years with this organization. 16 freaking years. He's played 263 regular season and playoff games combined. We should all salute Matthew Slater on Sunday. I saw Christopher Price on Twitter slash X today. And by the way, why do we even call it X? It's Twitter, Elon Musk. Terrible marketing. But anyway, I digress. Matthew Slater, we should all salute him on Sunday, man. Standing ovation, signs, 
blow him kisses. 263 games with this football team. He's made 10 Pro Bowls, a two-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champion, and he has been a leader of men. He has been a leader of men the entire way. He has represented himself, his teammates, the organization, this region, as well as you possibly can. Shout out to Matthew Slater. Love that guy. He's been terrific. What I wonder is, and I and I I would love your thoughts in the comments here. Will we get a send-off for Belichick? Will there be a send-off, some kind of send-off to Belichick? And I wonder, what will the crowd do? I don't think the crowd is going to boo. I think that's an outrageous thought. That crowd going through the weather on a Sunday watching a four-win team, that crowd is there to say thank you to Belichick. The only reason why this crowd might be capacity on Sunday is because it's Belichick's possible last game with the Patriots. So I think the fans are going to show love to Belichick. What will Belichick do? Will he do anything? On the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast I did with Greg yesterday, Greg said he does think that Belichick will wave to the crowd as he walks off. I hope he does. I think that would be a great moment. No matter how you feel about Belichick's last few years, no matter how frustrated you've been, I've said this time and time again, you can criticize the last three, four years without dismissing what that man had built and helped build with Tom Brady, without dismissing six Super Bowls and the countless free agency moves that he made that worked out, when he was killing the draft, which he did for a period of time the game planning, shutting down Peyton Manning and that Colts offense, slowing down, brutalizing the greatest show on turf, shutting down Sean McVay's offense in the Super Bowl. So I hope the crowd is cheering loudly for him, win or loss, as this game ends on Sunday. And I do hope that Belichick gives a wave at least. Now, I would love for Belichick to go Hulk Hogan on us, and have a take his hoodie off and rip the shirt apart in, in the PA playing dan, 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 not Hollywood Hogan. Dan, 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 and Belichick doing one of these. But I don't think that's going to happen. A wave would be cool. Would be cool. And I wonder how the post game's going to go. The questions that are going to be asked. How will Belichick handle that press conference? If he knows he's going to be let go or he wants to leave. He might say to himself, this is my last chance to say something worthwhile and productive to the fan base, to the players that have played along, you know, for me, to all the coaches alongside me. Will Belichick be somewhat reflective in his post-game press conference on Sunday? It's all fascinating. It's all fascinating. Here's how I'm going to approach it. And again, you can fan the way you want to fan. I'm going to try to enjoy this moment on Sunday. I'm not wrapping myself up in the win or loss. As I said, I understand long-term a loss would be best for this team, get the better pick. But I also understand that this team is going to fight and play and compete as hard as they can for Bill Belichick on Sunday. And I think Bill Belichick's going to coach his ass off on Sunday. So I'm going to just try to enjoy this moment. You're looking at a number two to number five pick, most likely in the draft. So you're going to be in the top five, 99.9% chance of that happening according to ESPN's FPI. I'm going to enjoy this moment. I'm going to appreciate Bill Belichick. I'm going to appreciate what he built here. 
I am not going to dismiss the first 20 years of his reign and how he has rebuilt this organization, rebuilt the team, rebuilt the region, frankly. And I'm going to embrace and soak in the final moments of Bill Belichick if it is indeed his final moments as the head coach and GM of this football team. Because there's been a hell of a lot more good than bad. A hell of a lot more. As frustrated as I've been, and, and many of you have been the last few years, there has been a lot more good than bad. And we should cherish the good on Sunday. We, we should cherish that moment, acknowledge what he has accomplished, and appreciate him for what he has been for a quarter of a freaking century. And we should be thrilled because the dreadful season will finally be over. <laughs> We've gotten through it together, my friends. Let's hold the hands. Let's hold the hands. So the pick, I know none of you care about the pick, but I got to do what I got to do. I've made a pick for every game. Going into this game, I'm 7-9 and nine against the spread, which I think is a win for me. This, this team has been so unpredictable, the ups and downs, the quarterback situations, the craziness. I'll take 7-9 and nine going into the final weekend. The spread, Pats, minus 1.5. Over under 30 and a half. The weather could be an issue, right? I don't know if the Jets are going to care. Even if they do care, I don't know if it matters. Trevor Simeon, Bailey Zappi, just the way we want this season to end. I would lay the point and a half, taking the Patriots to win, and I would go under the 30 and a half, which is a crazy low number, but I just don't believe in any of these uh any of these uh players out there offensively. I just I can't do it. SDDO62, too bad Matthew Slater may have to share his final game in such a manner with the unsure future and in the shadow of Bill Belichick. I agree with that. It, it is, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Patrick Slater, God bless Slater, but when he goes, I never want to hear another special teamer's name again. Uh, well, you'll hear, you'll hear a schooler's name again because the guy can't help himself with personal fouls. So if he's still on the team next year, get ready for uh, Flag Central. Amstel 54 jumps in, standing ovation for 24 years, 20 great ones. I agree. I agree. Cool, genuine Phil. Farewell to Slater. Thanks for the great memories in the locker room. Oh, yeah. Pretty tough for me to do that with a cold, but I did it. James says that the uh, Panthers and Commanders look pathetic the way that they are happy to tank. Yeah, it's not a fun look. Not a fun look. All right, hopefully all of you enjoyed this week. Look, next week's going to be bananas, okay? Whether Belichick stays or goes, we're going to talk about all of it. I am ready. I am prepared to give you the best content that I can deliver. We're going to talk about new coaches. We're going to talk about new GMs. We're going to talk about Belichick if he stays. We're going to talk about what changes if Belichick stays, if anything changes. We'll start looking at free agency. We'll start looking at the draft. All of it. My coaching list, I will give you my preferred coaching list, guys that I think make a lot of sense for this program moving forward if Belichick is gone. We're going to have it all for you right here on the Nick Cattle Show, YouTube Live, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. every day, Eastern time, from my humble abode here in Foxborough. Don't forget to give us the thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Subscriptions are important. Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. If the storm does hit us hard, hopefully you keep your power. Hopefully I keep my power. 
and uh, have some fun as well this weekend for me because I've got a cold. I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything, which sucks. But anyway, I digress. Appreciate all of you. We'll talk on Monday unless there's some crazy breaking news, which might actually happen.